Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all the people said, Amen, Amen. And then they were seated. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Wonderful declarations of faith. We'll come back to that in a minute. Special welcome to those of you joining online. Great to have you with us. And uh, this morning we come to the end of our uh, first instalment in the book of Acts, a series which we called Alive in the Spirit. And at this stage we plan to uh, again continue, pick up that series in around April, May next year, where we'll pick pick up from where we left off today. But before we continue on, um, I just want to mention uh, an event yesterday morning where our very own Mim Hosking was, uh, was accredited. She received her accreditation uh, uh, amongst the Baptist churches of Western Australia. So for those of you who know what that means, well, yes, oh, no, I'm absolutely, if she's not here, you can clap, but she can't hear you. She's out the back at MPK. Uh, but um, just to explain that, you know, in, in South Australia, we call that ordination. So when I went through, um, I was ordained, which means um, you should refer to me as reverend. That's kind of what that means. So I prefer that, actually. Um, here in WA, we don't have that. We have what's called accreditation, which is the same thing, but uh, just by a different name, where we, um, there's recognition from outside of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church amongst the wider family of Baptist churches that Mim is a worthy recipient of this title of accreditation, not a title so much, but a, a recognition of not only the studies that she's done, but of her um, appropriateness, I suppose, the the fit that she is to be a a pastor in a Baptist church. So uh, that is fantastic. And it's right that you would applaud, but um, great for you to just touch base with Mim afterwards and just give her a big hug. She loves that. And uh, just congratulate her. That'll mean a lot to her. All right, our focus word for today's message is boldness. And uh, as we begin, I want to just show you a brief 40-second clip from um, an 80s American sitcom, dreadful, probably a dreadful sitcom, but um, it's quite a good clip, actually. Uh, Some of you might remember, it's called Family Ties. And uh, the context of this clip is that um, someone's just passed away, perhaps a grandmother, I didn't watch the whole episode, couldn't bear it, but um, (laughs) in the clip, it looks as though they've just been to a funeral. And uh, so this is a conversation between a father and uh, his daughter. Let's, uh, let's take a look. Where do you think she is right now? Someplace nice, someplace green. 
Someplace with a lot of music. Do you believe in God, Dad? I do. I know I, I don't talk about it very much. But I believe in God, not in the fire and brimstone, hell and heaven God. But I believe in a higher spirit, something controlling the universe. Hmm. Let me take, make a couple of brief comments about that clip. The first is that, you know, when it comes to the Christian faith, the New Testament, the book of Acts, knows nothing of the kind of faith that the dad in that clip describes. The idea, this idea that my faith is somehow a very private thing that I never talk about, uh, a faith that's, uh, that I just keep to myself, that's a faith that's completely foreign to the Christian faith as it's described here in the book of Acts in the New Testament, where believers actually were very bold and very enthusiastic to share their faith and to share their experience of God with others. So if you're sitting here this morning thinking, well, you know, with my Christian faith, I'm, I'm kind of like that dad, you're describing me. Um, respectfully, I'd like to challenge your understanding of the fundamental nature of the Christian faith. And uh, perhaps even to invite you to pray when we close for a greater boldness in your own faith experience and expression. So we talk about boldness this morning. The second comment I'd make about this clip is that when it comes to crisis in people's lives, especially around the time of the death of a loved one, as we saw in that clip, people are surprisingly open, I've found in my experience, to talk about spiritual things and to, talk, to speak about the things of God. So Australians are, are typically suspicious of religion, even a bit cynical. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're closed, actually, to the things of God. Here are a couple of interesting statistics. These come from uh, research that was commissioned recently by Alpha. And the first is, as you see there, 70% of Australians say they pray. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a bit higher than I thought it would be. The, this idea the vast majority of Aussies regularly talk to the God they supposedly no longer believe in. That's higher, by the way, than the UK and even higher than many parts of America. 70%, the vast majority. Now, in many cases, they might not be too sure who or what they're praying to, but they pray. What a fascinating conversation starter, I might suggest. Do you ever pray? Tell me about the God that you pray to. What do you think he or she or they are like? Often people are quite happy to talk about that. They're interested to talk about that. Another interesting statistic You'll see there, one in four, this is a surprising thing to me as well, one in four Australians say they'd go to church if somebody simply invited them. Let's put a number to that. That's roughly six million Australians who don't currently go to church but would happily come along if someone were simply to invite them and to ask them. Maybe the problem is not so much complacency in our society when it comes to spiritual things as it is complacency in the church. So again, what an opportunity that is. 
maybe we could do with a little more boldness in our faith. Amen. At least one person says amen to that. That's bold. A friend of mine lives in one of those apartment blocks in Applecross and uh, this week he shared of how he'd invited some new neighbours over to their apartment for dinner, an older couple. And uh, before they ate their dinner, as was their, as is their practice, they held hands around the table and he said, Grace. And at the end of the grace, they opened their eyes. This couple were both in tears. I thought, wow, that's, that's some grace. <laughs> were they perhaps crying from hunger? <laughs> you know, maybe did you pray for a bit too long? But no, that wasn't the case at all. In fact, they shared of how They'd never really had much church connection, but that every single night of their married life of 40-something years, get this, every single night, they would hold hands and pray together. Wow. So then my friend was then bold enough to ask them, so would you be interested in coming along to a regular kind of Bible study discussion group that we have here in this apartment building? The answer, yes, we'd love that. Thanks so much for asking us. A bit of boldness. So our reading today is about boldness, and the context here is that Peter and John have been hauled before the authorities. You don't really know what to do with them. And uh, they've locked them up and put them in jail overnight. And then they drag them out before a panel of religious leaders who uh, basically have said, Look, um, stop it. Stop this. In fact, we command you to stop teaching or even speaking about this man, Jesus. Well, as you can appreciate, Peter and John don't agree to those terms, and they basically respond by saying, well, uh, we are going to keep talking about this man, Jesus. We can't help ourselves. And so then there were some further threats, and they let them go. But see, the problem the authorities had was that actually all the people could see that there was something going on that was beyond their understanding. They could see, actually, that, there was, that God was at work here. All the people were praising God. And so the authorities were a bit unsure of what to do. So let's read this passage. It's Acts chapter 4, and we'll read um, 23 to 31. On their release... Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Amen. Now, what this little group of believers is learning very quickly is that there's a cost to following Jesus. And for them, in that case, in that day, the cost was very real and very frightening, actually. Their two key leaders have just been arrested. They've been dragged off. Imagine it. Locked up in prison, threatened, just for speaking about Jesus. Something which, by the way, continues to happen around the world in various parts of the world where persecution is very real. And so you could understand if the response of the disciples was to say, you know, maybe we just need to back off a bit. You know, maybe we need to sort of wait until things cool off, sort of hunker down for a while and lay low. But actually, at the very point of crisis, their first port of call is to do what? To pray. They raised their voices together in prayer. That was their instinctive First response, there was urgency in their need to pray. We're in trouble here. The authorities are against us. We could be arrested. We could be, we could be killed, actually. We're in trouble. We should pray. A couple of months ago, um, I received a call fairly late at night, actually, from a lady named Wendy Yap. Some of you might know Wendy. She's part of our church family here. And uh, she's given me permission to share this story but she was calling, it was fairly late at night, I thought, oh, I better take this call. Calling from her um, holiday home in Dunsborough. And immediately when I picked up the phone, I, I could tell that she was extremely distressed. There was panic in her voice. She was crying. Uh, she was quite hard to understand. I could tell, you know, there was just obviously something serious going on. Well, it turns out her husband, Kai Sin, had just fallen down just that moment, a flight of stairs inside, he banged his head on a window ledge, kind of on the way down or at the bottom, and uh, he was lying unconscious in a pool of blood at the bottom of the stairs. So this was like beyond distressing. This was a, like a super serious life and death situation. So what did Wendy do? She rang an ambulance that was on its way, and then she rang me. And she rang me to say, please, 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 can you pray? Can you pray? And please, can you mobilise uh, as many people as possible to pray? Can you spread the word so that there's more prayer? And then she kind of hung up the phone because there was other things she needed to attend to. So I did. You know, I contacted various prayer networks that I'm connected with uh, here in Perth and across the nation to get people praying. Kaisen was in a serious condition he actually had to be airlifted to Royal Perth Hospital. He had a depressed skull fracture, possible brain damage, serious life-threatening uh, injuries that could well have had um, permanent effects. But Wendy will tell you, there were multiple instances of divine intervention where critical decisions were made that could have affected the outcome either way. One example, you know, Kaisen... He was all prepped for surgery, actually. They were about to wheel him into surgery when at the very last minute, a senior brain surgeon stepped in and said, well, hang on, hang on. He'd just come onto the shift. No, let's not operate. Let's wait. Let's just wait and see what happens. They waited. 
in the end, surgery was not necessary at all. No surgery was necessary. And today, Kaisin has made a full recovery. Yeah. See, Wendy understands the power of prayer. She's a woman of prayer. I've grown to love and appreciate this about her. She's a woman of prayer. And my reason for telling this story is not, not to tell you pray and everything will always work out well, not at all. No, but my purpose is to highlight the fact that in that very traumatic, chaotic moment of a life and death crisis, Wendy's first port of call was prayer. We need prayer. We need it urgently. And I, for one, believe that the outcome was affected by her faith and her urgent call for prayer as hundreds around the nation gathered to pray. It's a powerful lesson for me, actually, as I reflected on that whole scenario. What would I have done? Made me think about it. What would you have done? Think about it. I wonder if prayer would have been your first port of call. Well, it was for the believers in Acts 4, who, like Wendy, said, we're in trouble here. We need to pray. We need to pray. They raised their voices in prayer to God. Let's have a look at what they prayed and uh, see what we might learn about prayer. What we see in these next few verses is a declaration, a request, and a response. Can anyone else hear this sort of high-pitched squealing? Okay, that's not just me. That's good. I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is, you guys at the back? No one knows. Okay. Just ignore it. We'll just, just play on. Can you hear that? Yeah. I thought it was, what's it, tinnitus? No, that's not what, no. Is it tinnitus or tinea? That's one of the, no. So I bet you're glad that, you're not, that I'm not your doctor. Well, it's gone. See, that's gone. It stopped, hasn't it? Tell me if it starts again. It won't start again. Praise the Lord. All right, we see in these next few verses a declaration, a request, and a response. So let's start with the declaration, which in fact is a series of declarations. And, uh, you know, in my recent interactions with the Pentecostal church, especially with the, the World Prayer Assembly, which turned out to be quite a Pentecostal-influenced event, what I discovered is that um, they do an awful lot of declaring in the Pentecostal church. Here in the Baptist church, um, we do a lot of thanking don't we? That's part of my own reflection about things. We're, uh, we're very thankful a lot. We're, we're thankful for the cross. We're thankful for the blessings of each day. Uh, we're thankful for one another. Nothing wrong with any of that, right? Like, that's right. It's right. We should be thankful. It's a very strong biblical theme that we, uh, we're a people of, uh, of thankfulness. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. We don't do so much declaring, although I noticed we did quite a bit of declaring this morning. Probably Jonathan was aware of the theme. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to go all penty on you, but... Um, we should learn what we can from other traditions, shouldn't we? We don't have it all. We don't have a right here. We should learn what we can. You know, it's great to have an open heart, especially when you're out of your comfort zone, which I certainly was in those few days. But, um, you know, I had a coffee with our former executive pastor, Simon Ford, um, almost immediately after the World Prayer Assembly. And uh, I know he was there for part of it. And so um, I asked him what I thought. What he thought. I didn't ask him what I thought. I asked him what he thought. Because, you know, a fair bit of what was going on there was a bit, you know, a bit kind of out there in the Pentecostal world. 
He said this. He said, you know, when you're in a different environment like that, there's always something that the Lord has to teach you. If you have an open heart, I just thought, wow. There's some maturity right there, some solid Christian maturity. I thought, yeah, that's right. Because you see, the alternative is for us to close our hearts and become negative and critical. And one of those responses is a posture of humility, which was Simon's posture. The other is a posture of pride. Can't teach me anything. In fact, what we're doing is wrong. We've got it right over here. There's power in declaration. And there's a power that we need to understand more fully in our Baptist tradition. We see it in this passage that illustrates well this boldness of declaration. Here it is. Let me repeat it for you. They pray this way. You are the sovereign God over all creation. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. This is the start of their prayer. It's a declaration. You're the creator of all things. So, Lord, you have the sovereign right to rule over your creation. We declare it. We believe it. This is what the disciples are doing. Not only so, but you are the sovereign God over history. You are the God of the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, the only Scriptures they had, by the way. It was the Old Testament. You're the God of the Old Testament. And here they quote from Psalm 2, which is... um, what we understand to be now a messianic psalm. In other words, they're quoting King David, but uh, Psalm 2, so many things in Psalm 2 and other messianic psalms like it are are pointing forward to Jesus and it's another form of declaration. They're saying, you are the sovereign God over the nations. You are the sovereign God over the kings of the earth. You are the sovereign God over our current rulers and political leaders. In their case, Pontius Pilate and King Herod. In our case, we might say uh, Anthony Albanese, uh, Roger Cook, our political leaders. You are God over them. Not only so, but you are God over our current circumstances. And when it comes to rulers and political leaders, they might want to rise up against you and against your word and against your way, but their conspiring is futile, it's vain, it's empty, because you are Lord of all. It's just a powerful declaration. The declaration is that the God of creation is also the God of Old Testament history, is also the God of the nations, is also the sovereign God of our current circumstances. Your current circumstances. God is sovereign over them. He is over and above them, ruling over and above them. The sovereignty of God is a continuum from the beginning of time to the end of time and for all eternity in both directions and everything in between. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And so we make that declaration, that kind of declaration in prayer to God, right? We make the declaration to God, but we make it to one another as well. Because as we do that, then builds our faith together. Not only so, but we also make such a declaration to the powers of darkness who flee at the mention of the name of Jesus and who shudder at 
the church's declaration of his greatness. Thousands upon thousands of angels surround the throne of God at this very moment, making endless, bold declarations together, like this one from Revelation 5. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise day and night. They never stopped declaring these things. There is no other than the name of Jesus. So that's the declaration. Second comes the request, and uh, it's a bold request. It's a twofold request, actually, verse 29. Now, Lord, this is their request, consider their threats and enable us to speak your word with great boldness. Now, I don't know about you, but I reckon um, I'd be praying differently to that. I reckon I'd be praying for some protection from harm, for example. Now, I'd be praying, now, Lord, consider their threats and please can you make their threats a little less threatening, you know? Often our 21st century prayers are driven by a motivation to make our lives a bit easier, are they? Honestly, they are. To lower the risk of harm or danger. Lord, take this, I've got these problems. Lord, can you take the problems away and make my life better? Well, that's, you know, that's a prayer. That's not an unreasonable prayer, actually. It's not how they prayed here. There's no hint of any of that. These believers are somehow emboldened by the Spirit of God. And this is the work of the Spirit of God, isn't it? Evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives and in our lives as we learn to pray this way. Because you see, when we experience God in a fresh way, one of the first things that we receive is courage. Courage. Boldness. The revelation of God fills us with courage and causes us to affirm with Paul, if God is for us, then who can be against us? God is for you. God is for you. Who can be against you? Nations might rage, people might plot, demonic spirits and powers of darkness might and will, will, conspire against us but ultimately it will be in vain it'll be empty it'll be futile because God is greater Amen. did Kaisen just fall down those stairs but that was just a random thing as Wendy was sowing her life into preparations for the world prayer assembly by the way was that just an accident maybe it was or were there powers of darkness conspiring God is greater. God is greater. When he's got a beautiful testimony about that. Well, then the second part of this bold request is stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It's a bold request because if you understand the passage, this is the very thing, actually, that got them into trouble a couple of days earlier with the authorities. You wonder if some of the disciples at the back were going, no, sh- no don't, don't pray that. That got us into trouble. No, no, they prayed it with one voice. They raised their voices. You remember the story though, Peter and Jane, uh, John, who's Jane? Peter and John, we read it a couple of weeks ago, came to the temple gate and healed the lame beggar there in the name of Jesus. It's what triggered all the trouble with the authorities. Interesting, isn't it? 
that when the power of God is evident, religious people become troubled and nervous. But spirit-filled people become bold and have courage. Let's not be religious. Let's guard against becoming religious. Let's learn together to become bolder in asking God to display his power in our midst. And finally, there's a bold response, which is also twofold. First, the place they're meeting is physically shaken. The building shakes. Seems like there was some kind of an earthquake. Took place right then. God can do that sort of thing. They've just proclaimed him as the God of creation. He can create earthquakes if he thinks that's appropriate. Sometimes we need a bit of a shake-up, don't we? Well, the second part of the response was the boldness of the people. They were filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, they spoke the word of God boldly. They didn't shrink back. They responded with obedient action, with a willingness to step out and actually speak about their faith in a way that's foreign to the guy from family ties, maybe foreign to some of us. But they had a boldness about them. And the great thing about that is that you don't need to organise a, you know, one of those sandwich boards to wear at Garden City that says, repent and sin no more. You don't need to be weird. You just need to love people and be open to God and be attentive to the promptings of the Spirit. Even in your workplace or whatever environment you're in at the shops, when you're talking to your neighbours, I want to invite Renee to come and join me. Renee's a, a chaplain. We should be praying for Renee and others like her who are chaplains. She's a chaplain at um, Fiona Stanley Hospital, and uh, she's got a quick testimony to share with us. Let's give her a welcome, eh? Okay, on the um, topic of boldness, so on the, a very brief context or background, um, our amazing leader, Jesus, but also our pastoral care coordinator, Claire, um, came to the role four years ago with the story of Gideon's. So um, we're a very small team, but she always believes, she gives us um, great faith in our prayer mornings that we just go and God will open doors. And she always says, we don't need to kick down, kick down doors, God will open them. And uh, on that, um, we prayed for boldness. Well, she was given a word from someone in her church at the start of the year, and um, that was to be bold. So we've been praying to be more bold. And then um, Thursday morning, we prayed for, um, to be bold in our comings and goings and to step into faith a little bit more to meet the need where Jesus, we always pray, Jesus walk with us and put us where you need us today to meet your need. And then I was going about my day and after hours, actually I think it was Wednesday afternoon, um, just as the day was finishing, I walked up to find somebody in a meeting room and I opened the door and the, somebody, one of the big decision makers, a big wig in the hospital, was coming through and I opened the door and said, hello, let's call him John. I said, hello John, how are you going? And um, thank you for the shout-out. He'd given us a shout-out, which was really wonderful. I said, thank you for the shout-out. And he said, thank you for the work that you do. And I said, no, and, you know, you've got a pretty amazing job. And actually, a bit, a bit more background, he had been 
down to see us, as had a number of um, hospital leaders, have found their way to our room. Probably because Claire, four years ago, she started a flash mob dance, which was very bold. And, and she asked some of the biggest people, including um, board and admin, to come and be a part of that dance so that she's really, like, God just opened doors there. So they've found their way down to our rooms and um, have shared a great deal about the brokenness of the system and the hospital and how the staff, and we know the staff, are finding it very hard to recover from COVID. And the thing they always mention when they come into our rooms is the peace that they find in there. Anyhow, part one of this conversation with this person in our rooms had been that they know they need something different. They, it just kept leading to that. We know we need something different. And we all but stopped short of saying, you need Jesus. <laughs> we know you need Jesus in the building and uh, in, every, in every ward. And our prayer from God, our vision from God, has been to put a chapel on every ward. So that at the moment, there's only 2.8 of us, 2.8 full-time chaplains. So that looks like six part-time chaplains. But we would love a chapel on every ward. And this person finished that conversation with, we need to have part two of this conversation. So then fast forward, I'm opening the door, he's walking through, niceties, and we went, and we both went on. And I felt the Lord say, that wasn't very bold, <laughs> that was just nice. So I went and saw who I had to see, and then he saw who he obviously had to see, and unbeknownst to me, five minutes later, we walked back through the door together, and I felt the prompting this time, get it right. So I stepped into that space of, oh, this can't be a coincidence. And um, how are you? And how are you really? And then we stood just in the corridor for 20 minutes as he poured out more or less the same conversation as the time in our office that don't know what to do. We, we're at a loss with how to help everybody. And I had two opportunities to say, listened for a long time and then had an opportunity to say, he said, I know you've put a bid in for two more chaplains. And I said, yeah, but 20 would be awesome. <laughs> Very bold <laughs> and a bit scary. And uh, then another opportunity to say, um, when he mentioned something else, I said, um, put chaplains instead of wellbeing officers on the wards. Because know, we know they're talking about wellbeing officers. And um, so I was able to just Put, put that in there. And uh, I finished, he said, wow, you got more than you bargained for when you asked me how I was. And, uh, and then we both went on our way. So it was um, hopefully fruitful. Well, actually, the follow-up to that, later the next day, we went to an end-of-life um, committee meeting and um, another big wig was there and discussion had come up about how we were involved in end-of-life. And this person had said, how can we get more of you to our coordinator? How can we get more of you? And the head of social work who we fall under had said, we're working on that. Um, so hopefully that too will become even more in, for God's glory. 20, you can have 20. That. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's fantastic. You know, it's not, yeah, let's thank you, You know, she's not alone, and I know many of you are involved in all sorts of uh, similar sorts of um, opportunities to serve the Lord wherever you are. It's great for us to pray for Renee this morning, because it's, it's not rocket science, is it? This is the thing that strikes me. It just often takes uh, an awareness of what the Spirit of God is doing and saying, as Renee has, and a response of obedience, of, of faithfulness, a willingness, a courage, actually. It took her some courage to actually just take a step out 
and, uh, and speak. And who knows? We'll just trust that the Lord will multiply that and use it for his glory. So as we close, let me just first of all pray for Renee. I want you to join me. Father, we just thank you for this precious uh, woman of God who is uh, serving you in a context where there is great need, not only physical need, the need of um, recovery from sickness and accident and, uh, and trauma, but Lord, spiritual need. Those things are wrapped up together. And so, Lord, we thank you for her and for Claire and for the others like them who serve you in this place. Pray, Lord, for an empowering of your Holy Spirit in her life and in their lives and in that, uh, for your understanding, hospital environment. There'll be a move of your spirit, Lord God, that would open the door, continue to open doors, we pray. Give them boldness. Open doors for more and more chaplains to be uh, put in place as ambassadors for Christ in that place where there is such need. Go before her, Lord, and we just pray for more examples, more stories of the things that you're doing in that place. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's just bow in prayer, shall we? Am I still on? Yeah, thanks. This is just like us to pray. Why don't you um, just pray just about your own walk with the Lord, your own relationship with God, your own experience of Him, and maybe your own sense of boldness or lack thereof. You know, just as we bow in prayer, my own um, honest confession would be, I, I might seem very bold when I've got a microphone uh, in front of the church here, but actually in many other circumstances in my life, I'm not as bold as I would like to be actually. Maybe you can identify with that and you would want to pray with me just for a greater outpouring of the Spirit in your own life that there'd be a, a boldness. Father, we lay our lives before you. We confess before you, Lord, that there are times when we shrink back in fear, times when our prayers are based not on faith but on fear. And so we pray those prayers um, that are fearful in nature. Keep us safe, keep us from harm. Lord, protect us. Some of those prayers are fine, but Lord, we would just pray for a greater boldness to step out as the early disciples did without fear, but with great faith. We thank you for your graciousness, Lord, that just as it was for Renee, as she just prayed that simple prayer for boldness in her workplace, that very quickly you opened some surprising doors that opened up conversation. Just from a simple question, how are you? How are you really? It's not that hard. Lord, teach us. Teach us to be more bold for you in the name of Jesus. We ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. 
Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.